Hello, I'm Brooke Johnson. Welcome to my father's podcast. For this week's message, or any of the messages in our archive, subscribe for free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Bethel Christian Fellowship is a church that relies on the support of its community. We consider you a part of that community, and we would love for you to participate in our financial life. You can do that at our website at drcraigjohnson.org. Whether you're new to this space or a regular pod listener, we're glad you're here. We believe that this message will bring you hope, encouragement, and guidance. God bless you. Good morning, Bethel. Can we greet our streaming family in Jesus' name? Welcome. Welcome, Audette, Kim. Hello, Warners. Hello. We are so grateful today to be in the house of the Lord. It's so good to have you here today, and I hope that you're hungry And I hope that you're thirsty, and I hope that you're seeking and asking and knocking. Do you know we always have as much God as we want? We do. He's infinite. He's infinite. He's past finding out. And yet our hungers lapse and our thirst lapses. But today, if you're hungry and you're thirsty and you're seeking and you're asking and you're knocking, I promise you, you're going to get a feast. Today, again, we are still captured in our series called A Series of Ear Tingling. And I want to read our text again in 1 Samuel 3.11. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. Only God can bring about ear-tingling testimonies that will just take your breath away and just make your hair stand on end. And we need to keep our ears and eyes open to see what the Lord is doing. We're not interested in the noise of the culture. We're interested in the heartbeat of the God-man in the manger. I've been saying it over and over. It's not enough that we just hear the voice of the Lord. Our sensitivity needs to deepen to hearing the heartbeat of the God-man in the manger. That's a a profound sensitivity. But, you know, we can develop that. And it's time to uh, tune out the noise. Can you say amen to that? There's a lot of noise east and west and north and south and up and down and in and out. And you can even have Christian noise and worship noise and sermon noise, of course. Not mine. (laughs) But you know what I mean in principle. Yeah, all those other ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, we are in the Benjamin generation, and this is actually part five, and we may try to get out of this next week, but I can't make any promises. <laughs> I want to read, we're going to talk about divine appointments today, because one of the hallmarks of the Benjamin generation is going to be their effortless capacity to have fruitful divine appointments. Now, you, you've been hearing about divine appointments for years, DAs, you've been hearing about them. Some of you, maybe you go, I don't know what you, I don't know what he's talking about. Divine appointments are simply opportunities where you as a Christian are walking in your world and you have an eye out to any opportunities where the Lord might strike an opportunity to bless somebody. It could be sitting next to someone in an airplane. It could be standing in line at Vaughn's. But we are supposed to go out loaded with God's word and with wisdom And we are to be watching for opportunities that will open up a ministry opportunity. And and they're effortless. They just flow. Well, the Benjamin generation are going to be known for this. Now, does anyone have Deuteronomy 33, 12 on any device in any context or give it to me? Amen. Oh, there we go. All right. 
Here's our text again. Let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long. And the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. Benjamin is the 12th son of Jacob. Benjamin is seen as the beloved of the Lord on whom his favor rests. And the Benjamin generation are those who understand that they are the beloved of the Lord on whom God's favor rests. Remember, the most important question is, who am I? And the world offers three possible answers, all wrong. Number one, you are what you have. Number two, you are what you can do. And number three, you are what other people think about you. Well, beloved, thank God your self-image is not based in the, uh, the Wall Street syndrome of because you can have certain talents at 18 that you can't, you can't use anymore when you're 70. You may have a lot of money. You may be able to do certain things, but, but identity is rooted in something so profound in the Bible. Identity is rooted in the fact that before the foundation of the world, the God of heaven has set his focus on you, has drawn a circle around you, and has chosen you as his beloved. It's no gift or talent or ability or work you've done. He's just set his heart on you. It's all about him. Isn't that wonderful? And the Bible says Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. This was settled a long time before you, you popped up out of mama's tummy. But it is a beautiful thing to realize that you are the beloved of the Lord on whom his favor rests. It's the most peaceable place in the universe that you can accept that you're accepted and that it's all based on Christ's work. You don't have to earn it. You can't lose it. If we really believed we were the beloved of the Lord, it would change everything about our lives. We'd have a sense of rest. We'd wear an easy yoke. Remember Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, <laughs> I had somebody heard I was going to mention that. They said, where is that yoke? Where do we go? Well, you can't go to a lot of churches and get it. You, 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 you. <laughs> there are yokes in life, beloved, you've taken on yourself, which are not the easy yoke of Jesus and it's been crushing and breaking you. There are yokes you've allowed other people to place on you, mommy and daddy and others who know just the kind of Christian God wants you to be. Put this yoke on. We have assumed yokes that are not from him. And how do you know? Because his yoke is easy and you will find rest for your soul because he's peaceable and he's gentle. So we want to jettison all yokes. And how do yokes fall off? Well, the Bible says the anointing breaks the yoke. Uh, he'll put some warm oil of anointing oil on your shoulder and that yoke will just slip off. You'll just be walking and realize it's not there anymore. Well, this morning we're going to focus on this fact, again, that Benjamin is between the shoulders. Now, if you are sitting between Jesus' shoulders, you have, a, you have a height benefit. You, you are able to see further than anyone because you're on the shoulders of the Son of God, and it's an effortless place. You're sitting. Remember last week we found out there were priests who were standing in the service of the tabernacle and the temple because they were offering sacrifices every day that couldn't possibly remove sin, and they never were able to sit down. There was no chair in the tabernacle, no such thing as a chair in the temple. You were up all the time. But because of Jesus' sacrifice, he sat down. And we can sit down on his shoulders as the object of his love, the beloved, safe and secure. But from that perspective, remember last week, 
we found out you have eagle vision and you're much able to hit the targets that he's going to set before you. Now, remember poor Matt Ammons, the guy in the 2004 Olympics who was in the rifle competition and, you know, bless his heart. He did everything right. But when he pulled the trigger, he shot the bullseye in aisle three and he was in aisle two. So we don't want to hit the wrong targets. It's very important in our lives right now that we be sensitive to God's spirit and we be stand, we stand in the right lane at the right time, aiming at the right bullseye. Amen. Because all your wonderful talent can go south if you shoot and you succeed at hitting the wrong bullseye. And some people succeed at the wrong things. They make a billion dollars, but God never called them to make a billion dollars, so they're miserable. There's something about hitting the right target in the right lane that'll bring a sense of rest in your heart. It's just like, wow. You say, well, Craig, I'm not talented. I'm not gifted. Yeah, but if you've been practicing with your sling, Benjamin, all your life, you're one little stone. David's one little stone and sling brought down a giant. Nine and a half feet tall. Remember Goliath? Nine and a half feet tall. David's like 14. 250 pounds of armor on. One little open area right up here, and God directed one stone. Now, in Richard Gere's film, you know, he, like, tries to throw 15 stones or something, and one goes. No, no, it was the first stone, the first shot that wedged right up in the open area. Didn't kill him, knocked him down, and then he took Goliath's own sword and cut his head off. Oh, beloved, there is a benefit to being able to hit the target. God has had you rehearse your whole life to hit. And I promise you, everyone under the sound of my voice, you've been rehearsing your whole life with your sling. And you will fulfill the will of God for your generation. Let me say it again. You will fulfill the will of God for your generation. That's what it said of King David. He fulfilled all the will of God for his generation. And, and you can do that at 90. You can do that at 20 years of age. You can do that at 15. Because God has a vested interest in you, oh, beloved. He just wants you to hit your target. I don't know why there's so many targets in the world. Yeah, but you only have to hit your bullseye. God is going to narrow your lane so clearly. We're going to be in special needs academy. He's going to narrow all your lanes from five to one. You're going to be in one lane, and then he's going to lead you up to one target that you cannot possibly miss, and then he's actually going to hold your hand with the dart as you both stab the target together. And then he gives you all the credit. Oh, look what my little girl just did. She hit the bullseye. You know, oh, Lord, have mercy. He has to do that with me all the time. It's embarrassing. Oh, Craig, what a good boy. Oh, look, you did such a good job on that sermon. It's like, oh, thank you, Lord. Did you know, let me read, 1 Chronicles 12, 1 and 2. These were the men who came to David at Ziklag while he was banished from the presence of Saul, the son of Kish. They were among the warriors who helped him in battle. They were armed with bows and were able to shoot arrows or to sling stones right-handed or left-handed. They were relatives of Saul from the tribe of Benjamin. Did you know? We're talking about the Benjamin generation. Benjamites are the rare 1%. Did you know only 1% of the world population is ambidextrous? That means you can fight equally with both hands, with the sword, with the bow, with the arrow, with the sling. Remember Princess Bride? 
I have something you don't know. I'm not right-handed, remember? And then he switches the sword from right hand to left hand, and they're having that. Watch that sword fight again. It's brilliant because they're both ambidextrous. And the Benjamin generation are ambidextrous, and, and they're part of God's 1% leadership. These folks are as rare as hen's teeth. But I mean, out of the world population, out of 8 billion people, there'd be about 800 million that are ambidextrous. But I want you to see that there is a uniqueness to the skill of divine appointment that I'm talking about today. And it's going to be especially seen with my Benjamins. Now, Benjamin, remember, you can be a Benjamin generation member and be 85. You can be 72. It's not about age. It's about who's next. And you see, this move of God is, is, is going to be so overwhelming and so magnificent, and the power of God is going to be so, remember the word for glory, kavod. It's going to be so heavy. That, that only shoulders prepared can bear this, this anointing that's coming without polluting it, without, without using it, without it falling to sexual immorality or false teaching or God help us. Do you know every major move of God has been poisoned within a matter of years through immorality or false teaching? And in my opinion, false teaching is worse. It gets in longer, it hooks in deeper, and the roots go quicker. But you know what? This move of God, we don't have time for that. We don't have time for that. So God is going, he's sharpening his Benjamins, just like you put pencils in that pencil machine. You know, that's a little addictive. I just have to confess. I bought some pencils. I bought some Russian pencils. And, and, and I got them and then got one of those sharpeners. And you go, zzz, you know what I mean? And it's perfect. And you sort of go, mm-mm. So I sharpened every one of them. And then I sharpened all of them a little too much. <laughs> Now I'm in a 12-step group. But you can go south in anything at any time. Hi, I'm Craig, and I can't control my pencil sharpening. Hi, Craig. God's 1% leadership in the Benjamin generation. Oh, they're unique. And they have to be applauded for their uniqueness. But their unique ability is going to be able to be to see the target of divine appointments and be an instrument in the hand of God in order to make divine appointments. I want to talk about strategy for a little bit. Did you know that Napoleon Bonaparte for almost 20 years won virtually every battle he ever fought? And there's a strategic reason why. There was a man named Jomini, and he was a Swiss, and he had been on Napoleon's staff for 10 years, and he wrote a book called Summary of the Art of War. In 1838, this book came out, and he sort of became the worldwide guy. He founded the first Russian military academy in 1830, and, and he was, he wrote in Beautiful French, so he, he became the expert. Germany was the expert on Napoleon, right? So nobody questioned his judgments. But his view of Napoleon was that his strategy was a, as a chessboard player. His strategy idea was that Napoleon was making war on a map and that you would identify a strategic objective and then you would concentrate your forces and you would seize or you would defend that position. This is how he said, after 10 years on Napoleon's staff, how Napoleon fought. We're going to find out in a minute he was wrong. But everybody followed Germany in the Civil War 
and also in World War I that led to the most horrific static fronts, massive battles of mutual slaughter, which were absolutely devastating to the earth. But this was Jamin. This was his view of Napoleon's strategy. Now, you'd think if he's on his staff for 10 years, he's got a better perspective. No, he was wrong. That's not how Napoleon, you remember those set piece battles and everybody's just sort of standing there, aim, fire. It's like, what? We're so Pastor Rick used to say, boy, Craig, if I would have had a, if I could have had a 1990 Toyota and a Gatling gun, I would have been king <laughs> a few hundred years ago. It would have been, yes, sir. <laughs> Can you imagine with our contemporary warfare capacities? All you have to do is just throw a few bombs, you know. So Jomini was a very arrogant man, and he was absolutely wrong because in Napoleon's first campaigns, the first campaign in Italy won five swift victories in less than a month against troops that were much greater in number and better equipped than he was. Well, Jomini was wrong, but a guy named Karl von Clausewitz comes around, and he says... Now, he was defeated by Napoleon. He had lost to Napoleon. And he is going to teach strategy for 20 years at the Berlin War College. But he actually wrote a book while well, he died. His wife compiled it in 1832. And it was called On War. And he has a chapter called The Genius of War. And Clausewitz nailed the strategy of Napoleon. You say, Craig, why are you talking about this? Hold on, listen, and wait a few more minutes, and you'll see. Wouldn't you like to win the battles God sets you out against every time? Wouldn't you like to have a divine appointment that's fruitful every time and not misuse your energy, misuse your focus? Did you know Napoleon didn't multitask, he monotasked? But it was a little bit mystical. Colvin Klautzfitz in his chapter on called The Genius of War, said Napoleon's secret. Here it is, ready. Napoleon saw when and where to fight in a sudden flash of insight. Clausewitz calls it in French, coup d'oeil. Coup d'oeil. It means the glance. It means an opportunity. Napoleon wouldn't, he didn't have strategic objectives where he would say, let's go get that city. He would just get all of his army in motion and he had previously studied all the battles of the ancient. He studied Caesar's battles. He knew them all. He studied uh, Frederick the Great. He studied Alexander the Great. He, he studied uh, Gustavus Adolphus. He knew he had in his quiver every piece of military history he'd been studying since he was a little boy, like arrows in his quiver. And then he would just set his army in motion looking for what? Kudoy. Looking for the glance, the moment, the moment that there was an opportunity to take the most amount of his people and shove everything he had at the weak point of the enemy. It was called coup d'oeil, Napoleon's glance. He wasn't looking for strategic objectives. He was out just wandering. What are you looking for? I don't know. I'll know it when I see it. I'm looking for a divine appointment. We call them divine appointments. He called it coup d'oeil. The glance, the moment, the mystical opportunity right? So you see, you think that he as a strategic genius would be, you know, it would have one, but you were going to attack that Costco. No, 
No, he would just take the army and he would get in motion and he would watch for, and he led from the front because you can't see Kudoy. You can't see divine appointments unless you're leading from the front. You're not one of the corpulent generals safe behind lines. History's lesson, lost in fine wines. That's where everybody else was. He's up front. What's Why? Because he's on his horse. Why? Because he's looking. Why? He's looking for Kudoy, divine appointments. How can I apply right here, right now, everything I've ever learned from every conceivable military commander. Beloved, did you know most of you have been trained your whole life for what God's going to use you to do? And most of you have had interests you don't even understand. They're called, it's called pothos, the Greek word. You're seized with an impulse to learn something. You're seized with an impulse to understand a certain thing. And you, you apply yourself to a certain thing in life. I don't care what it is, but you'll find out that that pothos, that passion, has been the preparatory education that you need when God opens a kudoy for you. An insight, a moment. You know, Napoleon went into Italy for his first campaign, and he's against the Italians and the Austrians. Well, they're identifying Turin, the city of Turin and the city of Milan, as their strategic objectives. So they put all their forces around Turin and Milan. And guess what Napoleon does with his army? He goes right through and ignores them. And they all go, where is he going? They're protecting their strategic, you know. So they go after him. And then he waits for them to come after him, and then he take, picks them off one bit at a time. In one month... This 26-year-old using a new strategy and Christian, we have an old one. I'm calling them divine appointments. These learn everything you can and then be open to the unexpected. Learn, read God's word. People say, the Bible's boring to me. I don't understand. I started at the beginning and then I got into the book of Numbers and I wanted to die. And I don't understand. Listen! <laughs> Just read it! Just eat it. Eat the scroll. Well, I don't understand. Get kindergarten Bible books. Hello, boys and girls. This is Genesis 1. Read it. Why? Because you need all the arrows in your quiver you can get for the Holy Spirit to draw on in kudoy moments of divine appointment where it's like, whoa, do you have any idea how the Holy Spirit will draw upon what you put in there? Some of you have two verses banging around in there. John 3.16, and, and, uh, and I forgot the other one. Well, that's all he has to draw on with you, and he'll use it, you know. You'll be in Vaughn's, you know, or you're getting a divorce. Well, do you know John 3.16 says, God so loved the world. You know, put more in is all I'm saying. Whether you understand it or not, well, I just don't get who's rim them and wrap that. None of your business. Eat it. Read it. Read it. Learn the stories. Baby Bible stories. That's what you need to start with. And they have a comic book Bible. I swear. It's the best Bible in the world. Get the comic book Bible with all the bubbles and, the, and you can really understand context. You can learn Genesis in, in 20 minutes. But the more you put in, the more Napoleon studied Alexander the Great and all of his battles. And by the way, I've been to the house and I looked up at the room where he studied all these things right across from the Louvre. A friend of mine took me over. He said, he said, Craig, that's the apartment right there. I'm, I'm standing there for hours. The tourists are getting nervous. 
the police are circling in. Why? Because this is holy ground to me. He's studying Plutarch. He's studying Julius Caesar's battles. He's studying all of Frederick the Great's battles. He's studying why, why? Even his family said, what are you doing? Well, he was, he was making arrows and sharpening arrows, and he was putting them in his quiver because he knew that if he understood what the greats had done in similar situations, when coup d'oeil, when the glance, when the divine appointment opened up, he could mobilize all that wisdom. Boom, at one point. Do you know what's interesting? I don't know how many of you have ever been to France. Been to Paris? Anyone been to Paris? Been to been to Napoleon's tomb? If you've ever been to Napoleon's tomb, you'll notice that there are some names at the foot of the tomb that are sort of a telltale proof of this strategy we're talking about. There's a bunch of names that don't quite mean anything. There's Rivoli, Wagram, Marengo, Austerlitz. And these are just names, no strategic value, except at the particular moment, Napoleon's coup d'oeil showed him that he could have a win there. It wasn't about the place. It's that just so happened that was the place where the divine appointment happened. I have a divine appointment. Let me tell you about one. And Do you remember the Civil War battle that would come every year to Moore Park and they had Lincoln doing the speech and the whole thing? Well, I've got Michael in the wheelchair and I walk into the makeshift bathroom, which is uh, very difficult to get a wheelchair child into this, you know, (laughs) and I'm in there and I put him to the side and we're standing uh, ready for our uh, do our business. And I look to the right and there's there's a man standing there. It happens to be one of the most famous Hollywood producers in the world. And I said, excuse me, sir. (laughs) I have a word from the Lord for you. Would you, would would I have your permission to say it? And he looked at me and he went, yeah, sure. So I told him this word. Right? Now he's never going to forget the guy peeing next to him that gave him the prophetic word with the handicapped kid. Okay? (laughs) Never. I mean, the moment before he leaves his body, he's going to go, I wonder how that guy is with the handicapped kid in the wheelchair, you know? Unforgettable, (laughs) that's what I am. Thank you, Michael. (laughs) I'm unforgettable in my Kobe shirt and shorts walking in the mall with Michael Johnson. Yeah, they just go, (gasps) that's what people do. (gasps) It's not negative, is it? Okay. (laughs) That was a divine appointment. I won't tell you who he is, but God will get to you. But you see, because I've studied the Bible all my life, and I do all day, every day, and because I'm constantly feasting like a shark, I'm eating and moving, eating and moving, eating and moving. I study everything all the time. I'm grazing all the time. It's amazing how much Craig puts in, how much more Craig has for God to have access to when I'm standing peeing at the Civil War event to a very famous man. And the word was so accurate, he would have peed anyway. (laughs) How many of you know my God makes a way? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He was right where he had to be. (laughs) Okay, anyway. The more Benjamin... Benjamin, look at your posture. You're sitting on the shoulders of the Son of God. You're in the sniper's lair. You can't miss. He's going to bring these targets to you. All you have to do is just 
touch the bullseye and all the fruit that will come. It's, just, it's, it's going to be marvelous and it's going to be effortless. But because you know what you need to know, then the Holy Spirit will have more to draw on when he uses you. And in fact, some other folk he will not let have the divine appointment because they only have one verse banging around. Uh, I have a verse, all things work together for good. Okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. But if that's all, the only arrow you have in your quiver, bless you. I've been walking with the Lord now for 40 years and you have one arrow in your quiver. Ooh, what a threat to the enemy. <laughs> Do you see, he wants you listening to noise. He wants you uh, imbibing useless information. Because if you dare focus and begin to study like Napoleon did every tactic of every battle of every one of his favorite generals, you're going to have arrows in your quiver, honey. And when you're on your horseback and you're, well, you're on Jesus' shoulders and he, and he brings you into view of someone, you're going to have a lot to draw on. You're going to be legless with the infinite arrows. You know, do you ever see him run out of arrows? I was counting how many arrows he shot like in, one, in a two-minute period, and I'm like going, I want to see that bag on the back of his, <laughs> of his back. Because he just shot like a hundred arrows, you know. There should be some evidence. So, the, so here's our part. Learn why you believe what you believe. Learn God's Word. I don't care if you understand a word. Get the Living Bible. Get the Cartoon Bible and read it all the time. And you will find out within two days the Holy Spirit will have you in a phone call with somebody and, and, and a coup d'oeil will happen. You will see an opportunity for a divine appointment and that new verse that you learned today will be there and it'll come up and it'll make you look so smart. You know, I did a show called Religion in the Line for 10 years with Dennis Prager. Wonderful man. Here's the thing about Dennis. He never told anyone what the topic was. Ever. He wanted you to be as off-put as anybody else. So there was a rabbi, a priest, and a Protestant, and dinner, a Protestant clergyman. And he never told anyone the title, but Jesus told me the topic every single time. Just like I hear the message to preach, he said, oh, by the way, tonight they're going to talk about so-and-so. So I would come in sometimes with a briefcase, or I just had previously memorized statistics or facts or whatever, but I sounded so smart on those programs. I mean, my God, you know, I'd be laying in bed the night before studying a certain Roman emperor, and that emperor would come up the next day on religion on the line, and I knew the dates, the times, everything about his life, and I really looked smart. But it was sort of a, this kind of a coup d'oeil gig. He pre-told me what arrows to put in my quiver. You know, I never told everyone that. Dennis just thought I was a walking computer, and I never corrected him. By the way, don't correct all the people who love you and think you're something. Don't say, no, I'm just a complete idiot. Don't tell everyone, you know. Your family already knows, but the point is. <laughs> see, Napoleon would take all the combinations of military history, like arrows in his quiver, and then he would lead from the front, and then he saw an opportunity open, and he would mobilize all of his forces, and he won every time. Do you know the only time he lost? In 1812, he forgot Kudoy. He forgot 
his own strategy of genius. And he announced to the whole world where he was going. Moscow. The only time he picked a strategic objective and told the whole world where he was going, he did what Jomini would tell him to do. He took 600,000 men to their death because he just forgot the strategy he had used. Has that ever happened to you? Everything's been working for you the way God uses you, and then you just switch it up for some stupid reason? Well, I think I'll just stop doing me the way I do me. He made you, you, because you're you. Don't try to be somebody else. Benjamins don't copy others. Benjamins know, I'm the top 1% of God's leadership here. Look at my sniper post from Jesus' shoulders. You know, one time when I was very young, the Lord said, Craig, I'm going to give you a bat so big And I'm going to pitch you a ball so big that you can't miss it. And every hit is going to be a home run. Big bat, big ball, big boy. Boom, there, home run every time, every time. Now, you may say, well, Craig, that doesn't sound fair. Look, he's God, I'm not. He's God, you're not. I'm sorry, Benjamin, as gifted as you are and as remarkably attractive (laughs) as you are. It's all about him. It's all about him. But you know what? But, But he's privileged to use you. But learn his word. Learn it. Everybody wants baby names from the Bible. I still want to see someone name their kid Isaiah's son, Mahil Halal Shabazz. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Evidently, you're allergic to Bible names. You know, it's always, I'm tired anyway. But see, you won't know those wonderful names for your future children or your family's children unless you study. And you will be amazed how easy it gets. The more you graze, the more you feast, the more the Lord has ammo in your weapon, and the more he's going to put you near the front lines. Oh, it's, in, it's, it's engaging to be involved in divine appointments. You, the Holy Ghost comes on you. You meet people you've never known. You get on the phone. A call goes in the direction, and you see a kudoy moment, a divine appointment moment. And like Napoleon, you mobilize all of what you know on that topic in that moment. Bam, it's a victory. It's a victory. But you know what? You got to keep trusting God. You got to keep learning. Your part is to know. Your part is to learn, Benjamin. I believe the Benjamin generation is going to be the most literate revival generation we've ever had. That just simply means it's okay to get an education. It's okay to study the history of philosophy. It's okay to study the history of theology. It's okay to study history, period. It's all right. The more you know, Left-handed, right-handed man. Left. I'm ambidextrous, you know. There's a new word. You can win your friends and scare your enemies. There's a spirit of ambidextrousness that has come upon me. Ooh. Where do you go? We go to Bethel. Bethel. Do you know it's Bethel, by the way? There's no Bethel. Bethel doesn't exist in the Bible. It's not pronounced that way. 
we just, uh, I, you know, I joke all the time that nobody gets my name right. And someone recently was sending, they wanted to send a, uh, an offering to the church. And so they were going to send it to, to Pastor Chris. So we're going to hope it gets in. Lord Jesus. I love you. They caught it real quick. But wherever I go, the Starbucks is Klieg. I was Klieg the other day. C-L-E-I. It's a German name involved with Clausewitz. Napoleon saw when and where to fight in a sudden flash of insight. He expected the unexpected. He, he didn't know where. He didn't know when. But the coup d'oeil came. That just means Napoleon's glance, the flash, the insight. And you know me, you just be sitting at home and just think, you think of a friend you haven't talked to a long time. That, that's a coup d'oeil. Call them. What's the worst that can happen? You say hello and you reconnect? Okay. I mean, they're probably not going to say, you ugly fool, hang up and don't ever call me again. Be sensitive. Remember, it's time to hear the heartbeat of the God-man in the manger. We need to be able to hear subtleties right now. It's a dance. You see Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers dancing, and, and, and Fred's leading, and she is doing everything he does but backwards and in high heels. The Benjamin generation is a Ginger Rogers generation. Have you ever thought about that? Backwards and in high heels, up and down the stairs, in and from the balcony, back into the house. Hello, Ginger's my hero. Right? Go on YouTube and watch them dance today. That's your homework. Talk about this. Talk about divine appointments for Benjamin. Talk about Kudoy. They studied those dance steps for hours a day, for months, and then action. The moment came. The Kudoy came. And they deployed everything they'd been practicing. Todd Fisher's a friend of mine. He wrote a book about uh, his mother, Debbie Reynolds, and his sister, Carrie Fisher. It's called My Girls, and he tells a beautiful story about Debbie. Debbie was... Her first big movie was with Gene Kelly. Remember the name? Singing in the Rain, right? But Gene Kelly didn't want her. He didn't like her. He didn't want her for the role. So she was, she's 19, she never danced, she didn't know, so she's under a piano choir, crying, out just sobbing, and, and uh, a pair of shoes come up, and uh, looks down, it's Fred Astaire, looks down, says, honey, what's the matter? And she says, well, you know, I don't know how to dance, and Gene Kelly doesn't like me, and I'm up for this movie, he said, look, let me train you. Don't tell anybody, but let me, so he took her under his wing, isn't that a delicious story? You can go see it. Go see him in the rain. Watch her dance. Honey, God will send the right mothering and fathering to you at the right time, whatever it is that you need to help you sharpen your talent and your ability. But I just trust me. Learn, learn, learn. Be a sponge. Lo soak up everything there is to learn. And imagine every time you learn a fact or you learn a, 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 a principle, you're putting an arrow in your quiver that you will be able to use on the shoulders of Jesus just as he walks you into a group of people. Every time I go into a room, I say, I look for my kudoy. See, I don't have enough time in a room of 100 people to waste my time. You know? 
I told my kids, uh, Daddy's got to have divine appointments while he can. I don't have time to exhaust myself with 100 people. Hi, how are you? How are you? John Kennedy, appreciate your vote. Appreciate your vote. Appreciate your vote. Appreciate. I need to go right in a room and say, Lord, where's my kudoi? If there's anyone here, where's my divine appointment on the plane? I usually always say, please, God, put me on the plane. And he always does. He always does. It'll be somebody next to me. And we take off first after I'm sweating great drops of blood as Christ did in Gethsemane. The man of faith. I, I was with some Franciscan brothers that had these wacky, weird, uh, you know, what do you call them? They were around their neck, but they were like, you know, it was like a rosary kind of thing. And I just said, give me one of those. <laughs> we need all the help we can sometimes. You know, but once we get in the air and then you remember you still have seven minutes before the crashes usually take place and my little watch goes off. David, are you doing the same thing? All right. All right, we're eight minutes in. God has a plan. It isn't for this plane to drop. We started well. All right, I'm in faith. I never doubted you for a moment, your majesty. About then, a divine appointment presents itself to me. Someone next to me is crying. There's 14 hours right there. Hi, my name's Craig. Are you all right? <laughs> Uh-oh, it's a 14-hour flight. I could you not. I'll learn everything about them. We will be best friends. It'll be a divine appointment. It's kudoy on steroids. They get what they need. They hear the right word at the right time, and, and we pray, and the Holy Spirit comes in, and they usually get born again, and they ask Jesus to come into their heart, and then we land in Frankfurt. And usually I'm going, please, no one else. <laughs> There was a beautiful brother in the Lord named John Wimber, and Wimber had just been through, like, he had been ministering for two weeks, and he had been three plane flights, and he gets on the plane, and he goes, God, please do not use me. I'm shut for business. It's Sabbath time. I will not talk to anybody. And he looks right then across the aisle to the man sitting to his left, and the man has adultery written on his forehead. Adultery. And John goes, could you please use someone else? <laughs> please. So the plane's up and settled, and John leans over to the guy, and he goes, Hi, um, hi, my name's John. I'm a minister, and I just couldn't help but notice the word adultery. Well, oh, he's freaking out and gets out of his chair and grabs John, and they go up the stairs. Remember the old 747 went upstairs to first class, and he's up there with him, and the man's on his knees, and he's weeping, and he's repenting before God, and he gets born again, and then he says, John, that's my wife I'm sitting next to down there, so now we got to go and tell her that you've committed adultery on her. Long story short, all was well, <laughs> and John died very young, but... Um, <laughs> The Lord's will be done. Hey, well, I'm not going to argue with him. Wouldn't it be nice if it was that easy, though? Wouldn't your divine appointments be great, right? Adultery on the forehead. You know, it's just like, wow. I got a, I have the, Mark Twain said, I have the confidence of a Christian holding four aces. Most, of, <laughs> most divine appointments are a little iffy. You know what I mean? It's just like, it could be me, it could be God, it could be the devil, it could be an imp. I'm not sure, but let me just share this. You know what my friend Russell used to say, in my opinion, and I may be wrong, lead off with that. Russ Busby, Billy Graham's photographer for 60 years. In my opinion, and I may be wrong, lead with that. And then just share. 
You know what? I never say, you know, thus saith the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You don't need to. If it's of God, the weight of it, they're going to start crying. Give it to them, but always offer it. Don't, don't, don't blow the trumpet in Zion. <laughs> in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who just spoke to me in my left ear about you. And then you give the word. No, just offer it graciously like one human being to another and let them know they can flush it. Just say, in my opinion, I may be wrong. This could be probably not even God, but then offer it and give them the right to be able to flush it and eat the hand, spit out the sticks. Hmm? That's how you handle a coup d'oeil graciously. In a, now, Napoleon just killed everybody. But, <laughs> but we're juicing this up in a biblical way, okay? Pastor taught us Kudoi and how to kill all of our... No, he didn't. No, he did not. No, Chris did not say that. <laughs> Maybe Chris did. Yeah, it wasn't me. We knew it wasn't Craig. Yeah, I wasn't even there. I was in Rome. Okay, no, I'm sorry. I'm reading the future. All right. Are you still here or have you gone home? Don't be Jomini. Don't try set battles with these two overthought strategic examples. Just get on your horse and, and look for the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. And then you become the master of the unexpected. And this is his strategy. And nobody knows why he's winning. That's why they started the strategy schools. What is going on? I know what's going on. And they study and they study and they study. And Johnny gets it wrong. The guy who you think is closest to him gets it completely wrong. And Clausewitz, bless his heart, he dies before he can publish the book, but he has it. He sees, and he's hard to read. Oh, bore, bore anymore, and you strike oil. Oh, God. You've got to read 20 pages just to, just to, you know, not kill yourself and sober up and then move on. But he finally distills it all, which I am right now for him. Bless you, sir. I hate to, not to say anything, not to speak ill of the dead. But since we already started. Um, it's all condensable. A guy named William Duggan from Columbian University teaches a course called Napoleon's Glance. And he just simply says, look, this is what he did. And as long as he did divine appointments, he studied to show himself approved. And then he got in play and he was expecting the unexpected. Where? I don't know. We're going east. Why? I don't know. We went west and I didn't see anything. And you know what? He passed up more battles than he ever fought. Because he didn't see the moment. Do you know I knew one man in the healing ministry, and he had a 100% rate of success in praying for the sick. 100%. Why? Because he didn't do the cattle call, wherever that came from, where you lay hand, empty hands and empty heads. God would lead him with a kudoy, with a glance at a person, and he called one person up, and he prayed only for that one person, and they got healed every time. He had a 100% healing rate, and he left the rest. Wow. Wouldn't you rather have that strategic outcome, 100% success, rather than just going bam, 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 laying hands on every, every empty hands and empty heads? Most of the folk up there don't need a healing. They need to stop eating four Big Macs a day. But that's another message that this servant will not give you. Because I think it's heresy, but that's another thing. David can preach that on you. Den <laughs> Leave that to Dennis. 
Well, let me clear the strategy notes off here because I tell you what, you see, if you so, if you let this soak in, the guy loses everything he gained because he stopped having spirit-led divine appointments in the way I just described. He changed his strategy to Germany and he lost an empire. Oh, 600,000 men and a few come back with him and then he raises another 250,000. This guy, oopsie, that was a big oopsie. I mean, your oopsies aren't quite that big, right? How many, how many, how many died on your oopsie? <laughs> I think about 500,000. Oh, do you see, though, how all of us have to remember if it's working, keep with it. If it's working, keep with it. Be you, do you the way you do you, your way. Let the Holy Spirit anoint you. Keep feeding on everything you need to learn. Keep reading the Bible. Keep studying the Bible. Don't let anything sidetrack you. Focus is everything, Benjamin. Focus is everything. Hitting the right. You know, you're fruitless if you don't hit a bullseye. You're fruitless if you hit the wrong bullseye. But you can hit the right one at the right time. Kudoy. Well, I want to witness to everyone I ever see. Do you know what I was taught? which about killed me when I was a young Christian. Oh, you need to preach the gospel to everyone you ever see at a mall or they're going to die and the blood's going to be on your hands and you'll answer to God for it. No pressure. I knew something about that wasn't right because it just put the yoke of the universe on me. I couldn't do it. And you know what? I wouldn't do it. And when I wouldn't do it because it was so uncomfortable, I thought I was rebelling against God. Boy, your God picture can get screwed up. In two sermons you hear, you're screwed. Screwed up. The rest of your life is screwed up. See, once you think God is a weirdo and a whack job and your enemy, you're never going to go to him when you're in need. Because who's going to go to a nutty mother who's never going to listen to you when your heart's broken? Who's going to go to a selfish father who's not going to listen to you when your heart's broken? You won't. If you have a brain, you'll take that into your own secrecy and try to counsel yourself. God help us all. You can't counsel you, sweetheart. You can't. You're ambidextrous, but you're not that sharp. And by the way, ambidextrous people have basically lower IQs, higher creativity. So the only ability you need is availability in the Benjamin generation. Isn't that sort of nice to hear? Oh, thank God, I don't need to be a genius. No, but you need to understand all you can about biblical principles, God's word, Bible characters. Feed it into you because he will then begin to draw. Now he sees you have resources. Now he's going to use you at Vaughn's more than he does Harriet. We don't want to get into her. Sister Harriet. If she is a sister in the Lord. We all have our doubts. <laughs> See, shut that noise out. Shut gossip out. Shut the devil's little suggestions out. This is a time when we need to be free of jealousy, envy, noise, and we need to go about our lives. Don't be all bound up. Just say, if you're going to go to the beach that day, I'm going to the beach, Jesus. I I'm Forrest Gump. I'm a feather in the wind. He may use you. He may not. But you know what? You're available. My quiver is full. I studied my Bible all night and didn't sleep. Where's my divine appointment? Okay, it doesn't work that way either. Just be ready. Expect the unexpected. And 
you become in the enemy's kingdom the master of the unexpected. He can't stand you getting going into a mall, going to a dinner. You don't need to interrupt the dinner and give gospel tracts to everyone. I'm simply saying be available. And he'll sit you right down at the right time with the right person. And gee whiz, aren't you the combination of minerals and vitamins of fathering they needed or mothering they needed? Or you just went through the same grief experience and he matches you to your moment. Isn't he wonderful? The Benjamin generation. It's the Kudoi generation. It's the divine appointment generation. How was your day today? I had three divine appointments. How many did you have? None? Oh, I'm sorry. Don't know. That's noise too. Rebuke that spirit. Don't get prideful. Napoleon got prideful and actually thought at one point he was invincible and he reverses his whole coup d'oeil strategy and dumps the divine appointments and tells the whole world, we're going to Moscow. (laughs) Old Napoleon, clothed then in his right mind, what would he have done? He would have gone after the army, not the strategic objective. To hell with Turin and Moscow. Ignore them. If you can draw the enemy off and cut them off bit by bit, link by link in the chain, then you can have all the city of Turin and the city of Moscow and Paris. You can have anything you want. But you notice even the great genius at the end got distracted from his focus, which was normally perfect. We're all sinners, eh? This is the very man that says man proposes and God disposes. Same go. You hate it when your own words come back and bite you. Who said that? You did, sire. Oh, string him up. Your majesty, you said that yourself. Power comes with focus. Order follows focus. Talent flows to focus. And peace flows from focus. Do you feel the Lord narrowing the lanes of your life right now to give you a new sense of focus that you've never had before? It's not too late. You're not too old. You're right on time. All that funny stuff you've been studying all your life. Comic books. I'm addicted to comic books. Good. God will draw all the comic book heroes out as your kudoi examples. Just let God do it. I'm as confused as a termite in a yo-yo watching all these men. We went to Batman. We went to Spider-Man. I don't know. You know, my daughter is just like sitting there saying, okay, now this is not the original Spider-Man. Oh, there he is. No, that's the original. That's the second one. That's the third one. I'm so confused. Thank God I'm sticking with the Bible. But you know, you kids, as much as you know your games, as much as you know your characters and your movies, God will use all that. If you don't even read the Bible, he'll, he'll, that's your Bible that he'll start using for redemptive kudoy appointments. Pastor Chris did say that. <laughs> I'm waiting for some ear-tingling testimonies of my Benjamin generation folk going out in a divine appointment, just, just going out, just where am I going now? And again, don't get obsessive about that. Just sort of forget about it. It's like Peter Sellers being there. Did you ever see the movie Being There? It's one of my favorite films of all time. If you haven't, go see it. If you're under... 20, you probably haven't, go see it. Being there, you can rent it. Fantastic movie. It, it, it encapsulates everything I'm saying. It's about a childlike, infantile kind of guy that just sort of walks through life and everything goes right for him. And he doesn't know what's going on. And we need to be more like Chauncey Gardner. His name's Chauncey, Chauncey Gardner. I am Chauncey Gardner in the kingdom. I just walk around and I collect things and pick flowers and 
And my daughter goes, how does God use you? <laughs> she goes, no, I get it, I get it, but, but you're... Well, that's a rough offering coming up today. I know, I know. Mr. Kudoy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to go any further with that because you've, you've, you've angered me. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> We're wrapping it up. We're, do you sense the wrapping? So, you know, can feel it? <laughs> what are the Warners going to do when we don't have them right here in the room? Tom, what are we going to do? <laughs> Tom... Tom is a Clauswitz man. You know, our whole church, our remnant church of Bethel, we're, we're all Kudoy people. We're, if you just knew the language, divine appointment people, all the time. It's crazy. And you'll have just the right thing to say. Now, just let me end with the. I always use this example, and you're probably bored to death with it, but I was doing religion on the line uh, while I was going to the next night. I was laying in my bed at, when we were living on Willow Hill, and I took a book down called the Encyclopedia of the Roman Emperors, and I opened a page to an emperor named Macrinus, 211 A.D. Huh? I sort of speed read, and I scan, and I can remember things. So I just sort of ka-ching, took a picture of that page. I'm with Prager. The next night, a woman calls in and says, well, of course, you all know the first black emperor of Rome was Macrinus. And this, I said, well, dear, actually, no, he was a Mauritanian. And I knew everything about Macrinus. Dennis Prager said, have you ever seen anything like that? He said to the guests. Because he thought I pulled this up out of my vast ocean of knowledge. I just memorized it the day before, the night before in bed, at midnight, before I came and preached. I mean, God loves me so much. I'm his special needs boy that he will give me that advantage. And, and the only difference now is I'm not correcting people anymore. You know, I always felt that was a little deceptive not to tell the full truth. By the way, I don't know anything. I'm a complete idiot, and God told me that. You know, I, that, that doesn't work. That got me the left foot of fellowship from the program. So don't over-communicate. <laughs> Study to show yourself approved, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly cutting the word of truth, and then put yourself in play, lead from the front, and just expect the unexpected. Boom, there it is. Oh, I haven't talked to this guy in 20 years. Oh, he called today. Hey, how's it going? See, it's a flow. It's a dance. Ginger Rogers, Fred Astaire, all right? But I respect Ginger even more. Everything backwards and high heels. Wow. So don't tell me God can't use you if you can use Ginger Rogers. Promise me, go to YouTube and watch one of their dances today. Because that's you. You're Ginger. Christ is leading, Right? Benjamin, you're on his shoulders. He's the one leading. And it just takes the subtlest lead, if you're listening. Mike knows this about being a tango expert. You don't need to hit someone in the ribs and break their ribs. It's a subtlety about the leading the Lord's doing right now. So be sensitive enough to let him lead you in your phone conversations, in your trips to the store, and your plane trips to go on a vacation, whatever it is, Lord, I'm, I'm your Forrest Gump. I'm a feather in the wind. I'm available to you. Thy will be done. And if he does nothing, just smile a lot because your very presence has prophetically disarmed enemies you don't see. You being on the plane did spiritual warfare you don't see. And so if you don't talk to someone, you weren't a failure. Sometimes they need that smile that they got from you.
when you were checking in. Nobody smiled at them meaningfully in three years, and you just did. See? So it doesn't have to involve words. Preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. Praise his name. Benjamin, you kudoy generation. So you see how impressive you are now? You can leave here today. And you can just randomly say, do you know why Napoleon won all of his battles for 20 years? Then you won't remember it quite correctly and you'll screw it up, but that's okay. Uh, Ku Quarry. Ku Kukul. It's called Ku Greg Kokol. Yeah, he's an apologist. Ku Koi. Kokol. Kokol. Ku K O O D O Y. Ku I made it easy for you. Father, bless your precious babies, Lord. Lord, we want to be used by you. We are sitting on your shoulders. That's a given. We have a high place. That's a given. We have a sniper's nest, Lord. That's a given. We have a focus from you as you narrow the lanes of our life right now to look at only one bullseye at a time. Just We could just have to do the next right bullseye. We don't have to hit all of them. We just hit the next right one. And Lord, thank you so much that you're going to give us a ravenous craving to learn your word. We're going to be just starving to death. We're going to open your word up and we're going to get our little cartoon Bibles and we're going to go from left to right and right to left until we are so full and so filled and our arrows are going to so fill our, our quiver like Legolas that we're going to have to keep shooting them just so it doesn't get too fat and break our back. We, we are going to do our part and learn. We're going to grow. We're going to feed. We're going to feast on your truths and your wisdom, Lord, because you're the Lord of history. So all truth is God's truth, beloved. Don't segregate and limit your studies. All truth is God's truth. Devour it all. Feast on it all. And I promise you, the more you glean, the more he will use the next time the phone rings. Thank you, Father. Bless your your precious baby daughters, Lord. They're so, they're so precious to you, Lord. They are daughters of Eve, gifts to the earth. They're your little windows to eternity who are here for this many years. And, and, and you want people to look through them and see you. So, Lord, clean our, our windows up, Lord, so people don't see the window, but they see through the window when they look at us. And they see the smiling, welcoming face of Jesus. And Father, for your boys, God, sons of Adam, delight to you. They're all delight to you, Lord. Let them anoint them, Lord, to play. Just have them go play and, and have them absorb your word easily, truth easily, wisdom principles easily. And then, Lord, open up portals, just portals like Dr. Strange. Open up kudoy, divine appointment, open portals that they will step through easily into wherever they need to be. And they are the mineral and vitamin needed, Lord. Make it easy. An easy yoke, we pray for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Oh, easy can produce such profundity. It's easy, honey. It's getting easier. The dancing is getting easier. The dance is easier. You've been rehearsing all your life to be used the way God wants to use you. That's all. And, you know, um, one little thing he's been whispering in my ear lately is that he is the God of surprises. He's going to start surprising you, surprising you with little blessings, big blessings, obvious blessings. 
Blessings that will narrow the lane of your life and give you a clearer focus. You know, some things in life can happen that narrow our lanes to a very clear focus. Something like you have six months to live. Do you know how focused you get when you get that news? Honey, your train's coming in someday. It just may come in a little bit earlier, but I'll tell you what. You sure know who to call and ask forgiveness from, who to give forgiveness to. Isn't it amazing when your lane narrows, you have a clear target. You taste all your food. You say, I love you to all of your loved ones. You get everything right. It's like that movie, remember? Was it Queen Latifah? What's a movie where they tell her she's going to die and she gives everything up and she goes on the cruise of a lifetime and then they find out she isn't going to die? Oh, I just screwed that up for you. I'm sorry. It's about 15 years old, but it, 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 it was, I saw it on an airplane going on a trip. And it was so moving because you realize, you know what? We can, like the country song says, we can live like we're dying. Now, we can choose to do that. We can choose to taste our food, appreciate our loved ones, our husbands, our wives, our children. Tell everybody we love them. Quit fighting over nonsensical things. And just hear the heartbeat of the God man in the manger. That's all. That's all. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. That's the rule of the day. Now, that's your new tattoo for my millennial friends. There you go. Put that one on. Not your forehead, though. That's, but that's up to you. All right. David, come on up with the table of the Lord. Now, did you know all this is possible because of Jesus Christ, your Lord? All of these truths weave together in him, he who is the truth. All these little pins go in the pin cushion, which is Jesus. And these truths are all oriented to make it an easy yoke for you and an easy dance for you moving forward. I wish I knew this 50 years ago. Tom, do you wish you knew any of this? I wish I knew everything 50 years ago that I know now. Remember the movie Benjamin Button when he starts old and he gets young? I don't know if you've seen that, but see it again. What would you do if all of your wisdom could be contained in a 19-year-old body? I don't think you'd live like you did when you were 19. Well, we'll see. But that movie was magical to me. I cried through that whole movie. I don't know why it moved me so much. I just thought, couldn't you imagine if we know all that we know now and we could go back to being 19 or 20 years old and move forward from that point? Oh, my Lord. But we can't. But there's a movie about it. But because of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can. He knows you wouldn't know this until now at this point in your life. So you haven't missed a thing. Starting right now, with the table of the Lord as our point of contact, he can erase all of your past failures and bring your accounts clear to this very moment moving forward. A clear Zen garden, a clear wet cement, a clear board for you to have a new beginning. Shalom. God's peace be with you in the name of Jesus. You know, that word shalom, the Hebrew word actually means more than peace. It also means completeness and wholeness, which is what the table of the Lord is all about. So as you gather your elements, I want to uh, speak over you John 6, 48 through 50. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. 
Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they're dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. That's what we celebrate today. We celebrate what Jesus has already accomplished for us. He allowed his body to be broken so that yours would be whole and healthy. So let's break that bread and let's partake. Now let's grab the cup. Scripture says that the life is in the blood. So Jesus gave his blood for you, his holy blood. He never sinned. And he offered himself as your sacrifice so that you have eternal life. No one can take that from you. Jesus said you'll never lose it and you'll never perish. So let's celebrate what Jesus already accomplished for us. Let's partake. Ah, oh, and may his shalom be on you today. May his peace permeate every part of you. Thank you for your support and your prayers. You know, we're going to collect our offering today. If you're watching online, there's a place online where you can, you can give to us. If you feel fed today, feed us so that we can continue the broadcast. We can continue meeting together. If you're here in person, there's a little receptacle in the back. You can put an offering in there. Um, feel free to, to use that as you see fit. And may God bless you. And um, what a privilege and a pleasure to worship with you all. Just bless all of you in Jesus' name. God bless you all. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift his countenance unto you and give you peace. We sure do love you and appreciate you. Be encouraged now. God is not finished with you yet. You will fulfill the will of God for your entire generation. And then you will go and be buried with your fathers and your mothers. Amen. God bless you. We hope today's message has been a blessing to you. And if it has, please visit our website at drcraigjohnson.org. There you can find additional messages of encouragement. And if our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider us in your ministry giving, as we depend solely on the financial assistance of our listeners like yourself. Also, please feel free to send any personal prayer requests. You can find us online at drcraigjohnson.org. God bless you.